2 Timothy chapter 1. We'll be there in a minute. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Several weeks ago, we talked about the five purposes of the church, why the church, the body of Christ, and Don in his song mentioned a number of times, uh, building up the body of Christ, and that which we'll talk about this morning, uh, we'll be focusing on how the body of Christ is built up in two ways, numerically and spiritually, how we are encouraged, edified in the body of Christ. Five purposes of the church, however, we mentioned a number of weeks ago, and uh, I like to put at the top, really, uh, the number one purpose of the church is to worship God. Um, there are a lot of people who do not understand the uh, the value and the importance of coming together like we are, worshiping with brothers and sisters in Christ. You remember Jesus said in Matthew 22, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Um, and uh, that is what we do when we're gathered here. Uh, we spend some time together. It's about an hour, and uh, we focus on the Lord. We listen to his word. We hear songs sung, which edify us and build us up. Uh, worship is the number one uh, purpose of the church. Number two is ministry itself. Remember, Jesus said, love the Lord and love your neighbor as yourself, and uh, when we come together as a body of Christ, uh, we interact with one another and we uh, hear of the needs of others. Um, we want to encourage and minister to others spiritually, emotionally, relationally, and physically. We hear of needs and uh, God touches our hearts with regards to the needs of others. So we have worship, we have ministry, evangelism, the great commission is given in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, where Jesus said, as you go, make disciples of all nations. And we realize as believers, we do have the responsibility of telling others about Christ. Now, I just heard a, um, a statistic this week, and it said that um, in the evangelical church, only 51% of the people that were surveyed, now this is, in every, this is not out in the world, in the church, 51% did not know what the Great Commission was. Okay, now we know what it is. Here at LBC. Okay? Don't forget it now, in case you're surveyed next week. <laughs> the Great Commission is the words of Jesus after the resurrection, before he ascended back up into heaven, where he said, Go and make disciples of all nations. Take the gospel message to other people. All nations. This is why we send out missionaries to other countries, other lands. And this is why we give the gospel out here in our country. So we could say worship, ministry, evangelism, fellowship. We come together, we minister to one another, we encourage one another. And as in the song that we just heard sung, we have the truth of Ephesians 2.19. You are members one of another in God's very own family. Uh, we're in the family of God together. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, the women here, you're my sister in the Lord. Men here, you're my brother in the Lord. And uh, God put us together. And again, in that song that we just heard, we're called the body of Christ. Christ is the head of the church. We're part of the body together. So let's review. Worship, ministry, evangelism, fellowship. And the last one, um, I like to use the term discipleship for or teaching. Uh, when we come together in the body of Christ, we're to have open Bibles. 
We're to be looking into the Word of God and realizing God wants to teach us from His Word. Uh, teaching or discipleship is an important part of um, one of the purposes of the Church of Jesus Christ. Now, I had you turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. And I'm going to read the reference to Timothy 1, 6. The Apostle Paul writes to Timothy and he says, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now, we won't worry about the last part of that verse at the time when there was the recognition that Timothy was called by the Lord. There was the laying on of hands, the prayer over him, that God had uh, not only saved him, but called him to ministry. Um, But you'll notice in the first part of the verse he says, Stir up the gift of God that is in you. And actually that verb there, stir up, um, could be translated, in fact some translations have, fan into flame the gift that God has given to you. Now by the end of the service this morning you're going to be realizing that all of us as believers, we have at least one spiritual gift, probably more than one. But um, that gift that God wants us to use to encourage one another, to build up one another in the body of Christ. And the Apostle Paul is using a uh, campfire illustration. Uh, Probably um, all of us sometime in our lifetime had a little campfire where you, uh, you know, you had the uh, marshmallows and the chocolate and the graham crackers. You remember that? You held your marshmallows over the flames and they burned up and you still liked them anyway. Well, the point of a campfire is sometimes they, they, um, the embers uh, go down and they burn down. And you want to put on new wood. And so you, you fan, fan the, the embers. You fan them until the flame comes up and you can burn new logs. Uh, there's a small fire and, and you want it to, uh, to grow. You want it to be full flame. Well, the Lord says to us, each of us has a gift. And that uh, we need to be using that gift for the Lord. Paul says to Timothy, he says, fan into flame the gift. Now, there's a lot of discussion on what Paul meant when he talked to Timothy like this. I believe that there are two very evident Gifts that Timothy had. One, I believe, was the gift of faith, and the other was the gift of leadership. And there are those who uh, study the uh, uh, background of young Timothy and say that he was very timid, and the Apostle Paul was uh, getting ready to turn a lot of leadership over to Timothy, and he said, Timothy, I want you to use your gifts. Uh, be bold in your presentation of the gospel. In fact, the context there says false teachers were beginning to come into the churches. And um, Paul wanted Timothy to stir up, fan the flame of the gift that you have, your gift of faith, your gift of the ability to proclaim the gospel to others. Do that. Spiritual gifts do require fanning. You know, our theme for uh, this year is renewing our passion for Christ and his church. And uh, we have to keep reminding ourselves from time to time that not only has the Lord saved us, but he's given us spiritual gifts. And we don't want to allow our spiritual lives to slow down to the point where we're not using the gifts that God has given to us. It's so easy to uh, get to the place where, you know, somebody else is going to do that. Somebody else will come next Saturday with the gift of helps to help move the stones. 
Well, you have the gift of helps. And maybe the Lord's talking to you about coming for a while next week and helping out on that. Stir up the gift. You see, it is a God-given ability to serve the Lord. We're going to talk about this in just a minute. And uh, the Lord is saying, as we look at this passage in relation to, to young Timothy, don't allow these gifts that God has given to you to kind of simmer down, but keep your enthusiasm for Jesus Christ and realize God wants to use you in the lives of others for his glory. As we consider the subject of the spiritual gifts, we were looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 in our response of reading this morning. And you'll notice in the first part of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it's a very interesting chapter to say the least. And in that chapter we do have a list, a partial list, of the spiritual gifts that God has given to us, to the church, the body of Christ. Uh, verses 1 through 3 again, uh, he's talking about the command to know the gifts. You'll notice in 12.1, 1 Corinthians, he says, Concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. I want you to know what they are. And, and God wants you not only to know what some of these gifts are, you're not going to remember all of them, but, but, but the ones that you have, the way God has gifted you so that you can in turn serve him. There was some division in the church in Corinth. And the Apostle Paul starts his first section out because he wants the, uh, the church to see uh, that there's a oneness in the church, the body of Christ. Uh, in fact, he says in verses 1 through 3, we as believers, we confess the same Lord. Our Savior is the Lord Jesus Christ who went to the cross. In verses 4 through 6, we depend on the same of God, the same God rather. And he talks about the fact that we do depend upon the Lord uh, for the things that he has given to us. In verses 7 through 11, we minister to the same body, the body of Christ, we who know Jesus Christ the Savior. In verses 12 and 13, we've all experienced the same spirit baptism. Let me just handle that for just a minute. When you trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you actually were placed into the family of God. You were baptized into the body of Christ. And so now all of us together, we see we're brothers and sisters in the Lord. We're part of this body of Christ. Now you didn't feel anything happen uh, when you were placed into the body of Christ. But whenever you were saved, whenever that was, as you look back, when you trusted Jesus as your Savior... You were placed into the family of God, and now we're brothers and sisters in the Lord. And that's what those first three verses are all about. He talks about the fact that uh, before they were saved, he said you were idolaters, uh, you worshipped dead idols, and uh, now you worship the living God. Uh, you were carried away. Uh, you were under control sometimes of demonic forces. You were carried away, he says in verse 2, but now the Holy Spirit lives within you and you are able to say, Jesus Christ is Lord. Now the source of the gifts is very clear in verse 11, key verse, but, to, uh, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, that is, he's working these spiritual gifts, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So when you trusted Christ as Savior, you see the Holy Spirit came into your life and also he gave you some gifts. He gave you the ability to serve. He probably gave you the gift of serving. 
He may have given you the gift of teaching his word. He may have given you the gift of encouragement, encouraging others. And we're going to go over these, um, these gifts uh, not only today but a little bit in the future. So uh, the gifts are given to believers uh, at the time of salvation and uh, they are given um, by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes people ask the question, can a Christian um, have any gift he wants? Supposing you say, well, I have a friend, and that friend has the gift of evangelism. And boy, they're able to communicate well and effectively the gospel to others. Uh, Can I have it? Can I pray and ask God for that gift? Technically speaking, no. Now, let me say this at this point. All of us may not have the gift of evangelism, but all of us can do the work of an evangelist. We can all witness for Christ. You don't have to have the gift of evangelism to be able to share your faith in the Lord. In fact, please don't miss this. If you're concerned with someone who needs Christ, or about someone who needs Christ, keep praying about that because you may be the only one who's going to talk to that relative of yours or that neighbor of yours or that friend of yours at work who needs Jesus. You may be the only one. Maybe you need to carry along with you a track uh, to encourage someone uh, to put your faith in Christ. Um, you can do this very easily. You say, say, read this. You may not have a lot of time to talk to a person, but you can say, hey, read this over and we'll talk later about what it means to have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The extent of the gifts, well, 12, 7 is very clear here. Every believer has at least one gift. Chapter 12, verse 7. But the manifestation, that is the, the uh, seen working of the ministry of the Spirit, uh, the visible working of the ministry of the Spirit, is given to each one for the profit of all. To each one. Uh, the point is, all of us have at least one spiritual gift. And, of course, at the end of the chapter, he says, not... Uh, there, no, no believer has all the gifts. That's this point in verses uh, 29 and 30. Are all apostles or all prophets or all teachers? No. And by the way, when he's talking about the gift of teaching, that primarily refers to not the gift of just teaching skillfully like a school teacher might have, but having the ability to take the Bible and share it with others. That's a spiritual gift that God gives to you. He gives you the ability to look at the text of Scripture, and we have people in this fellowship, we really do, right here in Louisville Bible, who have a wonderful ability to uh, take the Bible. And I mean we have a lot of people here in this fellowship, we really do, who can take the Bible, read it, and explain it, and teach it. And that's a spiritual gift of teaching uh, which you have if you have that ability. Now again, there's a there's a listing of the gifts, and um, here in eight to ten and uh, the end of the chapter, First Corinthians twelve, uh, I'm just going to mention them. There's the gift of wisdom, the gift of knowledge. I'm going to explain these for a few minutes. Gift of faith, gift of healing, gift of miracles, gift of prophecy, gift of discernment, gift of tongues. And now while I'm te- mentioning them, we're going to mention the fact that some of these we believe were temporary gifts given to the early church. Okay, uh, the gift of tongues was the gift of languages, and uh, it's interesting how God gave some in the early church the ability to communicate the gospel without learning a language, so that those who heard the gospel message and the truth of God could understand it. 
the gift of tongues. We'll talk about that down the road. Interpretation of tongues, apostleship, teaching, helping, administration. Now, I realize I'm just talking about a list, okay? But see, when you go to the grocery store, you have a list with you, and maybe you have five things on it. Well, you don't want to come home with four and have to turn around and go back, right? You want to get all five. So God puts in his word lists. Um, by the way, I think lists in the Bible are really important. I really do. And uh, there are reasons. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and all those other things. But those other things are important too, aren't they? So lists in the Bible are really important. So I'm going to mention another list. This is a list that someone put together of the spiritual gifts, 20 of them, and uh, they're in alphabetical order. You say, well, why do you want to do that? Because I want you to hear them. <laughs> okay? Because it's a subject we don't handle real often, do we? We don't talk about spiritual gifts and how God's equipped us to serve him in the body of Christ that often. I'm going to mention these particular gifts. And you may have one of these. Okay? <clears throat> you may not have some of them for sure, but you may have some. The gift of administration. The gift of apostleship. I believe that one was temporary. Uh, the gift of discernment. The gift of evangelism, exhortation, faith, gift of giving, gift of healing, gift of hospitality, gift of interpretation, I-J-K, gift of knowledge, gift of leadership, gift of mercy, gift of ministering, gift of miracles, gift of pastoring, gift of prophecy, gift of teaching, gift of tongues or languages, and lastly, in the alphabetical order, gift of wisdom. So we're going to look at these, not all of them, but we're going to look at some of these and try to define them out so that you can look and discern uh, whether you have one of these gifts. Now, uh, I would like to go back to that. We'll come back to uh, 1 Corinthians 12, but that Ephesians 4 passage, because I want you to notice the clarity of uh, the statement of Scripture with regards to spiritual gifts. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Watch this carefully. I'm going to read it nice and slow. But to each one of us, and he's talking to believers, to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Okay? A grace gift. And that's the term charismata that's used for gifts. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, what is grace? Grace is God's undeserved or unmerited favor. When you trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you were saved not because you lived a good life, not because you are a good husband or a good wife or a good mother or a good father. Um, you were given the grace of God because he desired to pour that grace into your life. And he, out of his love and grace, saved you when you put your faith and trust in Jesus. That's the grace of God that's been given to you. Now, along with that grace, God has given gifts. Verse 8, Therefore, he says, When Christ ascended on high, he led captivity captive. And here's the phrase I want to focus on now. And gave gifts to men or to men and women. He has given spiritual gifts. Now let's define it out. What is a spiritual gift? Spiritual gift is a God-given ability to serve. And that's the, the clearest, simplest uh, definition of gift. And I like what Chuck Swindoll does. He tac 
tacks on to a couple things. He tacks on two terms. It's a God-given ability to serve in the body of Christ with one another in the church family. And he says, with ease and effectiveness. In other words, God doesn't want us serving him and to be doing something that we feel very uncomfortable with. In other words, you don't want somebody coming along and putting a Bible in your hand and say, I want you to teach this class. If you have the gift of teaching and someone asks you to teach a class, you're going to respond and say, you know, I'll study and prepare and I'll teach the Word of God. God does want us to to um, effectively use our gifts. And, and Swindoll says there should be a sense of ease and there should be a sense of effectiveness when we serve the Lord. I think the distinguishing feature of a spiritual gift is that the Lord blesses us when we serve him and uh, he empowers us by his Holy Spirit to do what he asks us to do. Now, let me use that teaching illustration again. When a person has a spiritual gift of teaching, you, when you hear the person with the gift teaching, don't miss this now, when you hear the person with the gift of teaching, you don't only hear facts. Facts are important. But the Spirit of the Lord works in your heart and stirs you to move in relationship to the things that you hear. Don't miss that. When a person has the gift of teaching the Bible, they will tell you what the Bible says. But because they're empowered by the Spirit of God and gifted by the Spirit of God, you in turn will respond and you'll say, wow, you know, I get what that person is trying to encourage me to do. Uh, let's pull a very simple one. Supposing someone's teaching the Word of God and they're teaching Matthew chapter 6 and they're teaching the Lord's Prayer and this person teaches you and says, you know, God, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ has given us a prayer as a pattern and here's how he wants us to pray. And when we begin to pray, we are to address the Father in heaven. And before we ask for things, we're to say, Father in heaven, Holy is your name. You're an awesome God. Well, when someone communicates that to you, you in turn say, yeah, boy, when I pray, I don't want to only ask for things. I want to give honor and glory to his name because Jesus gave me a pattern of prayer. So when a person has the spiritual gift of teaching, you not only hear facts, but your heart is stirred and the Spirit of the Lord is doing something between you and the one who is teaching you the one who has the spiritual gift. Now, again, quickly, the primary purpose of spiritual gifts, I'm going to go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which uh, John read for us this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The primary purpose of spiritual gifts is that they are be used, and some texts say in verse 7, for the common good. Some texts say for the profit of all. In other words, God gives you an ability to serve him that's what a spiritual gift is, so that we as the body of Christ, we're encouraged together, we're, we're built up, we're edified, uh, we're encouraged in our walk with God and our relationship to God. The primary purpose of spiritual gifts is that they are to be used for the common good or the edifying of the body of Christ. Uh, the 
building up of the church. The importance of the spiritual gifts. And I like how this is said. Just kind of listen to this terminology that Tony Evans uses. Just listen to this. The importance of spiritual gifts. He says it this way. Absolutely nothing can replace the power, the influence, and the impact of a church that is fulfilling God's kingdom agenda through the operation of the gifts in the body of Christ. He's saying nothing can replace this. In other words, there's nothing can take the place of your using your gifts to benefit others in the church. In other words, when you're using your gift to serve, God's going to use it in the lives of others right here in this body, the body of believers. Absolutely nothing can replace the power, the influence, and the impact of a church that is fulfilling God's kingdom agenda through the gifts of the Spirit. Because that is how the Holy Spirit manifests or shows himself. When the Holy Spirit shows himself, powerful things happen like in the book of Acts. Evangelism was an all-time high. Second uh, Acts chapter 2, rather, verse 47, the Lord added daily to the church. Why? Because people who had the gift of evangelism, they're talking about the Lord. You see, they're spreading the gospel. And uh, remember, you may not have the gift of evangelism, but all of us can do the work of an evangelist. Secondly, there was no need for government welfare in the early church. Because it says in Acts chapter 2, these believers sold their possessions and divided them among one another, especially for anyone who had a need. Okay, here's the point. In a church like our church, if we find out there's somebody who has a need, we want to try to help with that need the best we can. There was a man a number of years ago who came to our church who was actually only here two Sundays went to the hospital and died of cancer. But when he came, he said this. He said, physically, I'm not doing so well. Well, there was a reason for that. But he said, you know you know what I'm concerned about? He says, I'm concerned that the economy is going to bottom out and um, I still have a job and uh, I might not be able to get to, to my job. And uh, I know the Lord raised this job up for me, but I might not be able to get, get there because... I might not have the finances to just buy gas to get there. And here's what I said to him. You, you hang on to me, with me rather, uh, on this. I said to him, you're going to have gas to put in that car. He said, what do you mean? I said, you're going to have gas to put in that car. If God wants you to go into work, you're going to put it. And he said, well, who's going to give it to me? And I said, we will. Right? The church, the body of Christ. We minister to those in need. That's what the gift of serving is all about. The early Christians, they sold their possessions, divided among themselves as anyone had need. There was even racial harmony in the early church. Acts 10 and Acts 15. Acts 10.34, Peter learned this lesson. He said, In truth I perceive that God shows no partiality, so that in every nation whoever fears the Lord is accepted by him. So in other words, Peter had to learn that God is working with Gentiles and he's working with Jews, no matter what nation they belong to. That's because of people using gifts. Very quickly, not going to take a lot of these this morning, but what about the gift of wisdom? That's the first one in chapter 12, verse 8, 1 Corinthians. What is it? It's the ability to have insight into people and situations 
that may not be obvious to others combined with an understanding of what to do and how to do it. The gift of wisdom. You know, there's some people that you say, I, I'm thank, I thank the Lord for that brother or that sister in Christ because they really do have wisdom. They have the ability to see, have insight into what needs to be done and it's amazing what they suggest should be done in relationship to the need. That's the gift of wisdom, okay? Um, the Bible talks a lot about the subject of wisdom. The gift of wisdom is actually a speaking gift. It's the ability to communicate wisdom in a situation where it's needed. It's amazing how the Lord, again, uses people, his own people, to communicate. Hey, here is a need, but here's what we can do. Here's what God will help us to do that this need might be met. I'm going to slow down just a little bit on this one for a minute. In Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6, it says, For the Lord gives wisdom. He gives wisdom from his mouth. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Uh, this one's really important. It's at the beginning of the list here in 1 Corinthians 12, right? Let's think about this for a minute. Hang on. Turn with me to Isaiah 29. <clears throat> is the gift of wisdom important? It absolutely is. In the church, the body of Christ, we need to make decisions that are in accords and in agreement with the Word of God. <clears throat> in the book of Isaiah, <clears throat> the prophet tells why there was a lack of leadership and wisdom in the camp of Israel in that generation. Isaiah 29, 13, and 14. Now watch this carefully. We're talking about wisdom. This is interesting. Verse 13, Therefore the Lord said, Inasmuch as these people draw near me with their mouths, and they honor me with their lips. You know, like politicians do. God bless America. God bless. Do they really mean it? If they do, thank the Lord, right? But let's stay with this now. <clears throat> they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Their hearts are far from me. And their fear towards me is taught by the commandment of men. They, they do things because they fear people. Therefore, verse 14, Behold, I will again do a marvelous thing among this people, a marvelous work, a wonder. For the wisdom of their wise men will perish, and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hidden. This is why in America... We've had such terrible decisions come from Washington, D.C., our wise men. They've made some very unwise choices. They feel it's all right and should be legal for babies to be killed in the womb. I mean, that lacks wisdom. I've known children who know the difference between respecting life and not remembering. You say, oh, wait a minute, they're, they're college-educated people. They No. They read their hearts. What does the text say? Their hearts have departed from the Lord. They're not interested in what the Word of God says. And as a result of that, they lack wisdom. Let's take another one. Should we be wondering what we're supposed to do with regards to letting transgender men into women's bathrooms? They lack wisdom. They lack wisdom from God. It doesn't even make sense. Now, you see in the text why it's been removed. It's very clear. 
They honor, me, uh, they honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me. That tells me that it's very important that you and I as believers, if we want to have wisdom from God, we need to maintain a heart for the Lord. We need to realize that uh, He has taught us how to live in His Word. He has taught us the things that are right and the things that are wrong before Him. He has taught us that there's two genders, male and female. And our hearts, listen, our hearts go out to those who are confused on this. Our hearts go out to those who want to make a change. But there's only two genders, male and female. Jesus spoke of it in Matthew chapter 19. Jesus is the truth, and he always speaks the truth. This is just one of the spiritual gifts which you ought to be thankful for if God has given you wisdom, the ability to have insight into people and situations combined with the understanding to what to do when a need is brought before you. The Word of God is very clear with regards to spiritual gifts. God gives us spiritual gifts. He gives us the ability to serve Him. And uh, we realize that the text of Scripture says, first of all, all spiritual gifts come from God. The Holy Spirit distributes to each one as He wills. Secondly, the Holy Spirit uh, also um, allows us to help one another in the body of Christ. The spiritual gift is given to us so we might help one another in the body of Christ. Furthermore, each of us has a vital role to fill in the body of Christ. As that passage in 1 Corinthians 12 was read, you see that the passage says, well, we all don't have the gift of teaching, and we all don't have uh, this gift or that gift, but God gives us gifts so that we might function together and God's work be done in the body of Christ. And furthermore, each of us are to use the spiritual gifts that God has given to us. God has blessed you and your life. So please leave from this service this morning with an understanding that God not only gave you the gift of the Holy Spirit, but he also has put within you the ability to minister to others in the church, the body. We need one another in the body of Christ. We need you here. We need one another. We need to minister to one another in the body of Christ so that we might mature and grow, as it says in Ephesians chapter 4. So therefore, we're going to talk about knowing our spiritual gifts. We've already encouraged one another to fan the gift that's within us, to use it for his glory. And we looked at the fact that God wants to use all of us, every one of us. And see, that term is used there uh, when we put this theme up, renewing our passion for Christ and his church. The Lord really does want us to uh, grow in our love for Christ, uh, to draw closer to him this year, uh, to realize that he has blessed us with salvation. And at the same time, that he's put us together in the body of Christ here. And uh, you are needed in the body of Christ. You are wanted here in the family of God. And I pray that all of us will minister to one another and that you will realize that people you see here on Sunday who know you, uh, they love you, and uh, you can encourage them. You may have the gift of exhortation or the gift of encouragement. You can encourage others in the body of Christ. And as we encourage one another, our body of believers here is built up, encouraged spiritually 
to live and to serve him. Let's pray together.